This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Golhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Senators in a bipartisan group and at the White House failed to meet a Monday deadline on an agreement over a nearly $1 trillion infrastructure bill that President Joe Biden has thrown his weight behind. AP reports that they hit serious roadblocks over how much would be spent on public transit and water infrastructure and whether the new spending on roads, bridges, broadband and other projects would be required to meet federal wage requirements for workers. They're also at odds over drawing on COVID-19 funds to help pay for it. Still, Biden and the senators working on the deal are painting a rosy picture to the public, saying they're confident it will pass. Meanwhile, former President Donald Trump waded into the debate with his usual name-calling approach, chiding Republicans for working with Democrats, even though the GOP has been responsible for massively watering down the bill. My guest is Mary Grant. She's the Public Water for All campaign director at Food and Water Watch. Welcome to the program, Mary. Hi, thank you for having me. So, of course, things might change by the time some of our audience uh, watch or hear this interview because things are changing very fast. There was this Monday deadline um, where this bipartisan group of senators was supposed to come to an agreement. Do you think that the differences between the two parties, because the Democrats are trying to get enough Republicans on board, will they be enough uh, agreement to surmount these differences? And, and is there really a realistic path for this bill to, to come out of this committee and, and, and actually pass? Those are very good questions. It sounds like as of um, Tuesday, what we're seeing is that there's a lot of disagreement over the, the basics, over transit funding, water funding, like you mentioned, and how to pay for it still. There was a big um, debate last week when they were fighting over how to pay for it. And they decided, um, I think it was over last weekend, um, weekend before last, that um, to strip away the IRS, increased funding to the IRS for collections as a potential pay for. We have a lot of concerns with the remaining pay fors using COVID relief funds and using privatization schemes to pay for infrastructure projects. So we're still waiting to see what the details actually look like. Um, there's also disagreement, I know, for the water side. We've been following water very closely um, over the funding levels. Just there was a big bipartisan water funding bill that passed. It was $35 billion over five years, uh, reauthorization of the state revolving fund program. And it seems like that would be the basis of what they're using to draft this bill, um, but they're making some changes to it. And there's some disagreement that they might be cutting back some of the funding levels over what had been agreed to. So I think everyone's just waiting to see what actually happens. And is there a reliable path forward for this infrastructure bill? I, it was always seemed like a long shot to me. Um, we're hoping that there will be a bigger, a bolder package through budget reconciliation. Right now, the outline for budget reconciliation does not include traditional infrastructure like water and broadband and transportation. But we're hoping that if this bipartisan package falls through, that it'll be swooped up, picked up in that um, budget reconciliation package and increased and um, emboldened, made bolder and bigger and more progressive to really meet the needs of our communities. Um, right now, the funding levels are just, they're just simply inadequate in the bipartisan plan. So just to clarify then, the Democrats are trying to win over Republicans because they are hoping to pass this the traditional way. Uh, but if Republicans are left out of the picture or leave themselves out or simply refuse to play ball, 
Democrats could conceivably pass it with a simple majority, which they will do by the skin of their teeth with Senator Kamala Harris joining in with a tie-breaking vote. But it's not clear if maybe what the Senate parliamentarian will allow some of these issues to be included in a budget reconciliation approach um, because there are strict rules about what you can pass that way, right? There are, but typically if you want to increase funding for existing programs, you can do it that way. Mm. You can't reauthorize programs. So like the highway trust fund needs to be reauthorized and that will need to go through a traditional bipartisan pathway. So in terms of the bill itself, it was meant to be uh, more than a trillion, significantly more than a trillion dollars. It is now not even a trillion dollars. I understand that part of it was that uh, some aspects were split off into a separate bill, um, you know, and, and maybe that's how Democrats are making the claim that it's not really being watered down. Can you explain that a little more? Sure. Well, just to back up a little bit, um, President Biden originally proposed with the American Jobs Plan a really bold package that was more than a trillion dollars. For water, it was 111. For example, for water, it was 111 um, billion dollars, which is huge. It would be the biggest increase to funding. So the bipartisan package, um, the new funding is only 579 billion dollars. So not even a little bit more than half a trillion dollars in new funding. So they're, they're playing some games with the funding levels by including existing appropriations, looping them in, swooping them into the package for the total number to hit over a trillion dollars because it's the existing appropriations plus this new funding. But the new funding in the um, framework that the White House released, uh, I think in June, was only $579 billion. Plus the additional existing appropriations got us over a, to a trillion dollars, uh, $1.2 trillion. Um, so for water, we know that the funding levels from the original Biden plan have been cut in half um, from $111 billion to $55 billion over eight years, which is far inadequate. Um, there's also for um, the Senate bipartisan package that passed already, it passed through the Senate for water, has $35 billion over five years. So even that would be a higher starting place than this current um, bipartisan proposal. But what our water systems actually need is $35 billion each and every year. And so the framework as it is now is wholly inadequate to meeting the needs of our communities across the country. What would you like to see happen? What are, how do you explain what the needs are on our water infrastructure throughout the country? I imagine it's you know, different in different geographic areas, uh, but we know that the U.S. has not invested what it needs to invest in infrastructure in general, and that's got to be true for water systems as well. It is. Um, across the country, our infrastructure at large is aging and falling apart. I think there's bipartisan agreement that infrastructure needs to be improved. I, the disagreement is usually over how you pay for it, who pays for it, and how much you're paying. Um, so right now, there's the big fight is over those numbers, how much you're paying, but then there's that lingering fight over who's going to pay and how are you going to make them pay. Because at the end of the day, there's only one funding source for infrastructure. It's, it's people. It's either you pay through your taxes or you pay through your water bills. Um, so it's... Um, for water, what we want to do is we want to kind of change the dynamic so that we're not pushing the burden on to working families and low-income families, that we're making corporations pay their fair share. One of the good things about the original Biden proposal was that it was funded through a progressive tax. It would roll back a tiny portion of the Trump administration's corporate profit tax cuts to fully fund infrastructure, the infrastructure plan. We know that for water, just a 3.5 percentage point 
rollback of those corporate income tax cuts could fully fund our water systems across the country. It's a, it's a statement of values, right? We're at this pivotal moment where we can decide as a country to make corporations pay their fair share and then ensure that every person has access to safe water at a price they can afford to pay. There's actually legislation in Congress right now that would do that. It's the Water Act, the Water Affordability, Transparency, Equity, and Reliability Act. That's in the House. Um, Representative Lawrence and Kana from California introduced it. And in the Senate, Senator Sanders, budget chair, introduced it in the Senate. It has more than 90 co-sponsors right now in the House and Senate together. So it's in a good place. It's, it's a partisan bill. Um, only Democrats are on it um, because of that funding source. Not There's no disagreement that we need to fund water infrastructure. But the fight is over who pays, um, how, how much you're going to make them pay. Um, but the needs are pressing across our country. We see it every day in every jurisdiction. If it's lead in the water, PFAS, the more we test for PFAS, these per and polyfluoroalkyl substances, the more we find them in our water. These, these are, are the forever, forever chemicals, chemicals that, in fact, we just covered on our program a few mm. weeks back uh, that there was a new study showing that the EPA didn't really do enough to regulate these chemicals at fracking sites, even though they knew that they were dangerous and toxic. Are Republicans suggesting an approach that involves the so-called public-private partnerships, which they so love to tout, which are basically privatization? Yeah, the public-private partnerships are when you privatize public assets, typically through contracts. So a corporation will come in, they'll say they're partnering with the local government, but, but what they're really doing is they're taking control over the asset um, and financing the projects, but then the costs are all pushed onto ratepayers through rate hikes. And the proposal, the current framework, does promote public-private partnerships. One of the financing mechanisms is public-private partnerships. Private, it also includes private activity bonds. And there's a really devious proposal called asset recycling which has been really a terrible <laughs> um, experiment in Australia. It's where you sell off, you have one public asset and you sell it off to a private entity and in exchange for money, uh, that funding to fund another infrastructure project. It's privatization through uh, some new lingo, but it's, it's a really terrible form of privatization. It's not new money. It's not a way to actually get new money. It's all about privatization and then at the end of the day, increasing rates onto households who are already struggling to pay their water bills. In general, what about the climate-friendly uh, aspects of infrastructure funding, or I should say the climate resilience aspects or reducing climate change aspects of the infrastructure um, bill? This is something that, the you know, when Joe Biden ran for president, he really emphasized that he was going to be a leader on the issue of climate and has uh, at least initially attempted to put in a, a number of aspects into this and other bills that would significantly address emissions and increase funding for um, retrofitting various infrastructure so that they were climate friendly. Has any of that uh, remained in the bill or are Republicans and even Democrats like Joe Manchin trying to strip them out? Only a little bit has remained um, in the current mm. framework. Uh, right now there's $47 billion, again, over eight years for climate resiliency. And they stripped away the word climate from it. They're talking just resiliency oh, now. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> and the, the framework. Um, I, a lot of the climate pieces have been picked up um, in the budget reconciliation bill. So they kind of separated them out again, the two-tracked process where you have this bipartisan infrastructure, they're talking about traditional infrastructure and then climate um, solutions, 
as well as um, climate change um, pieces and social infrastructure has been picked up in the budget reconciliation resolution. Um, that's how they divided it. Um, more of the partisan issues, I guess, have been picked up by the budget process. Um, but the traditional infrastructure, um, they thought it would be a bipartisan thing, easy to get done. There's been bipartisan transportation and water bills already passed. However, it, it's still, again, it's all about how you pay for it and the fight, the fight remains. They don't want, um, the, the Republicans don't wanna increase funding for having increased enforcement for the IRS. <laughs> and then we're, we don't want, um, as progressives and, um, and people who care about water, we don't want um, privatization to be used as a pay for or a financing mechanism. And there's other ongoing debates about COVID relief fund. Local governments don't want that repurposed. They need the funding. Uh, we, as we see every day, as we track the COVID cases across the country, the pandemic's not over and communities still need those COVID relief funds to help address it. So I think the fight remains over how you pay for it. Um, and on the issue of the IRS uh, funding, this is basically uh, you know, for, for the IRS to be able to better enforce existing tax laws and codes, which would probably net them. There's a projection, I understand, of how much extra money it would net them. Because right now we know that there are tax cheats who get away without paying taxes simply because they're not getting audited by the IRS because the IRS is so underfunded. So there's a projection of how much extra revenue there could be available if the IRS were to just get some funding. So you pay a little to get a big payoff, right? Mm -hmm. And making, again, it's a, a way to get corporations to pay their fair share on the super wealthy. <laughs> but it's not addressing the heart of the issue of our tax code, right? It's just right. enforcing the existing tax law, which should be a no-brainer. I mean, especially issue. for Republicans who claim that they are a party of laws and, you know, are all about tough on crime. Uh, <laughs> if it's about enforcing existing laws, you would imagine that they would be all for it. So from the perspective of an organizer, Mary, what advice would you give Democrats who have a slim hold on power in the Senate, barely there, uh, but they do have <laughs> that power, have a hold on the House that could slip away in 2022, and of course have the White House. Given the dynamics of where they are as an organizer, what would you advise party leaders to do? Chuck Schumer, and we haven't even talked about Nancy Pelosi, who said that the House wouldn't even vote on any infrastructure bills until the Senate comes to an agreement. Often we've seen the House take up bills and pass them and then wait on the Senate to do so. What advice would you give Democrats? To not miss the, um, the opportunity right now, they have to seize the moment and go big and bold and large on infrastructure. Um, our communities need it. It's a moment where they have a real opportunity to make real change to people's lives and they should not let it pass. They should fight for a big, bold package that meets the needs of our communities. They should not compromise on water. They must reject privatization and false climate solutions and fight for a really big package that really meets the urgency of our communities. I mean, every day, our infrastructure needs are only getting worse. And with climate change on top of it, the severe drought out West, the 
the horrible wildfires, it's going to be really devastating this year. And we really need a package that meets this, this moment that we're in, this urgent moment that we're in with the urgency that it demands. They should not forget, not let this moment go. They must seize the opportunity to pass a big, bold infrastructure package. Well, they would retort that that's what they're trying to do, but they can't do that without Republican support because, of course, and they may not say this out loud, but it's very clear that what they really need to do is win over their own conservatives, i.e. Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. If they were to be able to win those two intransigent senators over, they could push these things through a Senate budget reconciliation process. And that's, I mean, it seems as though it's just unthinkable that one or two individual human beings are standing in the way of progress that so many people and so many you know aspects of our environment are relying on it's outrageous and the whole process it's been opaque and shrouded in secrecy right they're not telling us about the internal aspects of their meetings it's it's really complicated and it's really hard for the public to weigh in. They're not listening to constituents. There's no opportunity for people to get involved. Every organizer meeting I'm in talking about the infrastructure plan, it's about this is government failing us. It's not govern how government should work. It's this opaque, shrouded in secret process. And that what we really need to do is have a shine a spotlight on it and make sure that there's like real procedures that work and work for people. Uh, do you recommend that the House at least take the bill up and pass it? I mean, as I said, Pelosi has done something slightly unusual in most cases. The House, especially because there is a clear Democratic majority, would pass the bill, which might increase the pressure on the Senate to take it up. Couldn't the House take the bold version of the infrastructure bill and pass it? They couldn't. And they could do their own budget reconciliation resolution right now, pass a big, bold package. They already passed the Invest in America Act for water and transportation funding. The funding levels were far larger than what we saw in the Senate. It was a bigger, bolder package. And what we were really excited about with what the House passed included water debt relief and water assistance for people who are really struggling right now, tied to a five-year water shutoff moratorium. It was huge. And they did really good stuff in that bill. And they shouldn't let it languish. They should fight for that and include it in a big, bold package. They could do it. Um, but again, how you force the Senate to do it, I think it requires leadership. And I think it requires bringing along some of those stragglers who aren't willing, um, who are making everyone go through these loops and this opaque process. Um, the mansions, the cinemas, <laughs> bring them along to pass a really bold package because it's what their communities need. It's what their constituents need. Well, Mary, give out a website for Food and Water Watch and uh, you know, where people can find out more information. Sure. Feel free to check us out at foodandwaterwatch.org. That's foodandwaterwatch.org. Also, fwwatch.org. Both point to the same place. Mary, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. My guest has been Mary Grant, Public Water for All Campaign Director at Food and Water Watch. We've been discussing the ongoing Senate talks on the infrastructure bill. I'm Sonali Kohatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter and watch all of our video interviews. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at RU with Sonali.